Hello world, welcome back to Epic Speaks, and you're listening to Trista Law. And like I say all the time, you know, I'm just a host and I'm the moderator, but I am not the star. I would like to, to welcome back the star of the show, Epic. Epic, say hello to the world. Hello, everybody. Hope you guys are excited for part two. Man, you know, I know that everybody's been clamoring and everybody's been wanting part two for so long. Like, you know, we had a little bit of, you know, logistical issues that we had to work out, but we're back and we're ready and we want to tell this story. You know, Epic, what what did you what feedback did you get on on Genesis episode one? Um, a lot of them were surprised at the history. A lot of them didn't know the the personals of behind the scenes of what really went on as a child as I was growing up. So they're just waiting for more. You know, um, my mother gave some feedback, and uh, my mother's feedback is that if she knew that I was up late at night watching BET After Dark, BET Uncut, she would have came out there and took out the cable box, her exact words. <laughs> <laughs> she was not having it. But, you know, I did get, I, I did get a lot of, um, you know, positive uh, feedback from a lot of people as well, too. You know, there are a lot of people that actually listened. Like, this was their first podcast. They've never listened to another podcast, and they were extremely interested. So, you know, at this time, I'd like to, like, before we go any further, I would like, if you have not listened to episode one, Genesis, go ahead and do it now. You can pretty much listen to it anywhere that you can find a podcast. So we'll give you a second. We're not going to go any further. Stop right now. Go listen to Genesis anywhere you can find a podcast and come back and join us. But if you're still here, that means you've already listened to episode one, Genesis, and we're going to get right into epi episode two. So in the last episode, Genesis, you know, you, we talked about you, you know, being a kid growing up in Brooklyn, you know, and, and different stuff like that. Um, what I want to know is in the previous episode, you said you were a prostitute, but first you became a dancer. How old were you when you first started dancing? I was 19 years old. Um, it was my first time in a strip club. But I was 19 years old. The first time I entered a strip club and seen what it's about, I was 17. But I didn't get into it as seriously as I did when I was 19. How did they let you into a strip club at 18? Because I know, I mean, I, I've, I've, uh, man, my mother's listening. I know that I've been to uh, one or two strip clubs in my time, maybe like one or two strip clubs in my time. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and they ID, you know, they don't want to let people in if you're not, you know, at the proper age. Like, were you, yeah, like, how ID, did you get in? They ID now. They didn't ID then. Back then I was what, that was like 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. um, I went with a couple guys, <clears throat> excuse me. I went with a couple guys that I knew. And uh, it was in Brooklyn. I remember my first strip club. It was in Brooklyn, down by the Navy Yard. If anybody from Brooklyn is listening and knew about those days, it was down by the Brooklyn Navy Yard. There used to be a strip club out there. And uh, I went there. I didn't work, but I just, I was brought there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was brought there to basically see how it works, to see the setup, and to basically take take it in and learn from it. But my first actual experience and working was when I was 19. Okay. So six months prior to a year of dancing, what was your mindset? Um, I needed to get away from my family. I needed to be able to take care of myself because I didn't have clothes. I didn't have much. 
and um, it was hard. Like it used to be arguments over the most pettiest shit, and uh, it was just more me more looking up a pe- looking for a peace of mind. So my whole intention was just, just to get out, to get out, make as much money as I can, and do it for myself. Who were you arguing with? Um, my mom and my brothers. I'm a very headstrong person, so if I feel like you're mistreating me or you're not doing right by me, then, I mean, I'm going to defend myself. I'm go- I'm going to take up for myself because at the end, all I have is me. And it was always a back and forth of, well, you know, you call me names, you're saying this and you're saying that. And the response was, okay, I really don't care. You know, you've been a horrible child or whatever, but parents need to know that if a child is I'm going to look at it like this. If a child is acting one way, what did the parent do? What did you do? What, what, what did you not do to make this child act this way? There's a reason for everything. And a person is not just going to sit there, especially a child, act out for no exact reason. And if there is something that, you, that can be fixed, why don't you fix it? You know, maybe, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. Maybe to them, it was just like the norm. You know, like, you know, sometimes... You know, you when I'm sitting at a table, and this is probably an example that may, most people can relate with. I got really long legs. I'm like six foot one, and sometimes sitting at a table, you know, I think that I'm I'm very conscious about stepping on people's feet, and you know, like sometimes you know people don't know. Like I'm like, hey, did I step on your feet? They go, oh no, you're good. But some people are not conscious to what their feet are touching underneath the table. But also at 19, I, I don't, I you said it, but at 19 for me, 19 was a very I guess tumultuous time for me. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was. I, you know, I, me and my mother, we had our own disagreements as well too. You know, because I was nineteen. You know, I thought I was a man. You know, because I was like, shoot, I'm eighteen, nineteen. I could go. I could do whatever I want. You know, I could buy cigarettes. I didn't smoke. I could buy cigarettes. I could play lotto. I can vote. I can drive. I'm a grown man. You know, why am I paying rent to live in my house? No, 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 kid. Listen, you're living in your mother's house, and she pays rent to live there too. Um, prior to stepping into the strip club. What do you did you feel the environment would be like? Because the last time you went in there, you were 17 and you were just a patron. So now you're 19 and you're saying, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and strip. What did you what did you think? What did you picture? What did you fantasize the environment well, would be like? I'm going to say this as um, 19, 17, I went to a strip club at 19. I didn't enter my first strip club. I did a bachelor party. That was my first time ever dancing, period. I did a bachelor party. And um, it wasn't, I didn't have any expectations. I was just wanted to make money. And uh, I did that night. So, so it, wasn't, it wasn't like, I didn't have any expectations at all. I just knew that I wanted to make money. So there's a, you know, difference between doing a bachelor party and, and a strip club. Like, do you work with a club? Is there a special name for it? What's, what's the lingo? No, you're just doing a bachelor party. The guys meet you, or you have one guy that sets it up. He tells the stripper, hey, I mean, I want a private party. Um, I need you and maybe three or four other girls. Bring them. You're supposed to get a booking. A booking should be $200, $150, the, the least. And you guys show up. As soon as you show up, you get the booking. You stay there for at least an hour. If you don't make any money, you leave after the hour. If you do make money, you still stay and continue to make money. That bachelor party, I knew that uh, that night we were having sex for money. So um, we stayed because we were making money. Right. So that's how that went. Huh. Okay. So they pay you $200 as a booking fee just to show up. 
just to show up. Okay, and so that's your minimum. So you know, hey, win, lose, or draw. If I don't make anything in an hour, I made $200 in an hour. It was cool, guys. Thanks for coming. And then people throw dollars and different stuff like that. Yeah, you put on stage performances. You put on stage shows, which probably be like a girl-on-girl show to get them hyped up or get them ready uh-huh. to do other things. And a lot of times, I've been to bachelor parties where they've thrown $100 bills. They've thrown 20s, 50s. So you're making maybe five to 600 off of a stage show, plus whatever you're doing in the back privately. Okay, so wow, like this is amazing. Like I'm sitting here, like two hundred dollars. I mean, hundred dollar bills is what they throw in. I'm yeah. like, shoot, I I need to go get my abs right and go be a stripper. You know what no. I mean? No, <laughs> I got you. No, <laughs> <laughs> and you see, and it's it's just this is people look at listening to this, and they're, and they're looking at the surface, and all they hear, all most people probably heard, like myself, was ching, like you know, that's quick money, you know? Yeah, How- it is quick money, but the older you get, it's just like, okay, at the extent of what are you doing all this for? You know, you're young, you're living, you're, oh my God, you're young, wild, and free. But then it's just, when you get older, it's just like, okay, I'm selling my soul. For what? That's how mm-hmm. I looked at it. That's how I look at it now. For what? Like, what am I doing all this for? So, when when you guys were doing, like, the girl and girl show, and then you guys went into the back... You know, we don't really got to talk about that. I'm sure people could use their imagination. But was right. there anything? Was there anything that was off limits through the whole entire night? Um, for me, it was. I don't know about anybody else, but we do have a lot of people like to say strippers are disgusting and prostitutes are nasty. Strippers and prostitutes are the most cleanest people that I've ever met. We go get checkups every other month. Um, we clean ourselves. We sanitize ourselves. Very, very good. Um, if we ever had an accident, and by accident, I mean the condom breaking while we're in the middle of something, you immediately go to the hospital. You have preventative medicine that protects you from HIV and AIDS or STDs. So if my limit, my never going to happen is unprotected sex, anal sex, you touching me or putting your finger somewhere, that's never going to happen. That never happens. So it was a... It, it it that was that was my limits. I don't know about anybody else, but those are my limits. And the girls that I that I work with, honestly, those were supposed to be their limits. But you never know what goes on when it's just her and the customer by themselves. Right. right. So you you just called them a customer. Were you know? Did you ever see them as anything more than a customer? Like no. was it, it was just business? It was just business because at the end of the day. It's no real big difference of you're coming here, you're looking for a service. Most of them are married men. So you're coming here looking for a service that your wife does not provide, or you just want to venture out and do something that's taboo to you. So you're not trying to help me. You know, a lot of them will hit you with the, oh, but why are you doing this? You can do so much better. Well, are you going to help me do much better? No? <laughs> then please don't come to me with that. I don't want to hear it. You can't help me do much better than there's nothing for us to talk about. Pay for your services, and after that, we are done. So Until at, the next time. So, so at nineteen, how how did you find this? Like, how did you find a job? Like, did somebody find you, or you know, tell how did you get into the work of dancing at this bachelor party? Um, I was walking down. When I'm from Brooklyn, I'm from Flatbush, and uh-huh. I lived in the area of Church Avenue. So, walking down Church Avenue one day, going to the store, a guy was handing out strip club flyers. And um, I was like, wow, okay, well, this is actually what I want to do. And 
he presented himself as like a pimp or whatever. So I checked out the party and well, I'm lying. We hung out for a couple of days and he talked me into checking out this bachelor party with him. I did. And from that day on, I never went back home. So he introduced me to that lifestyle for the direct part of it. Me staying for the next 10 years. When you say hung out, like, what do you mean? Like, were you, were you like guys like dating or like, what were you doing? I don't know. We were just hanging out, getting to know each other and going out to eat and stuff. So it was basically him trying to tell me what was going on, but he was a party promoter. He was not a pimp, a real pimp. And that'll be explained later on. He was a party promoter. I didn't know the difference because obviously I'm new. I'm like 19. I'm still getting new to this and all that. But it was, uh, he introduced me to it because he was throwing the parties. But the other aspect of it and actually learning the game and learning the lifestyle, I taught myself. So for him, he probably just, his forte is probably just to get younger women who are fresh to it. Because, you know, I'm sure there's things that he does that a more experienced girl that knows the game wouldn't even tolerate. Yeah. What what kind of things did he tell you to like convince you? Because I'm sure at first when he when he was like, you know, hey, Epic, come out and you know and and do this and do that, you were like, nah, get out of oh, here. Oh wait, like, how did rewind, he... rewind. My name back then was Winter. I didn't change uh, my name until like 2012. But go on, it was Winter. Okay, so he said Winter. You know how how did we get you? I mean, how, he said, hey, look, you know, I want you to do this, and you were like, nah, get out of here. I'm not about that life. How did what did he tell you to make you want to do it? Or to convince you that it's a good idea? He didn't really tell me much. Um, It was just basically to say, you know, it's money to be made. This happens. This happens. I was already in my mind ready to do it. So it was just like, okay, well, I'm down. You know, let's do this or whatever. And it wasn't really much convincing. Are the the booking fees negotiable? Can Can you negotiate your booking fee? No, if you negotiate it, there's nothing to talk about after. It won't be a booking. Find somebody else. Oh, uh, okay. So if they're saying it's two fifty, it's two fifty. You can't come out there and be like, oh, well, you know, I want five hundred. No, not a, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. How did you get the courage to do that first night? Um, like I said, I was ready for it. I was ready for it. I was tired of living at home. I was ready for it. I just needed something different, and I was not happy. So anything at that point in time would have did would have would have did me good. And um that point it was good for me because the money was being made and it was a revenue of me being able to depend on myself. What what did you think of yourself after the first night? I felt good. I didn't see any badness from it and that's how young minded I was. I didn't <laughs> see anything wrong with it. I didn't see there was um I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel ashamed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my family were calling me sluts and whores at 13 and 14. So, I mean, in my head, I was so close-minded and so ignorant. It was just like, okay, well, you call me this. This is what I'm going to be. And um, I would say that it wasn't more. It wasn't like you grew up with a family that says, hey, you can be anything you want to be. My family was more of like, hey, you ain't shit. You ain't going to be shit. And I promise you, you're not going to turn out to be shit. So this is how your life is going to be. And my focus is just to get as much money as I can. And it's sad to say at 19 that I thought that way, but that's really what it was. So that that first night, you made all that money, right? If you don't mind. You don't have to divulge the number. 
you know, how much did you make around? Just give us a ballpark. Oh, that night I made about four hundred dollars. And how many hours? Uh, I say two or three. Okay, I mean, and and that's that's a a lot of money for a nineteen year old, you know, in in that short amount of time. But again, you know, people listen. We're not gl- glorifying the 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 stripping industry or the or the dancing. We're not glorifying it. You know, we're just trying to explain and dissect so that you know you could understand as the listener. Um, what the, what were the other women like? Um, they were evil. <laughs> to be honest, they were disgusting and they were evil because of the fact that okay, so you had I say about three pimps with about six different girls in between each of the three pimps, six or five. And uh, one of them basically ran all of them. And when I learned really how to hustle, you cannot touch me. My hustle was impeccable. And they hated me for it because I'm like 5'10", 5'11". And I'm like 200, 220 pounds soaking wet. So in their minds, they're small, they're petite, they should make all the money. And their pimps think the same way. So instead of them, the girls stepping their hustle up, they would they would make my life harder or start telling customers bad things about me and it was never that and i'm never going to sit there and you know be i'm not going to sit there and bad talk you which what they were doing to me and uh it was like a lesson to be learned it's a doggy doggy dog world and i still kept doing my thing and still kept minding my business but for the first Two years, I had to deal with that because the dude I was with was a punk and didn't want to separate himself from those guys and in fear of them saying anything to him. And he was the, he was the oldest one out of all of them. So, And he was the pimp. Yeah, he was a pimp. They all were pimps. But he didn't want to separate himself from the guys. So it was just like, okay, I'm miserable. I'm your female. I'm your bitch, as we would say. And you're focused on what they think then other than how I feel, I guess. So... Uh, after two years, it currently just slowly faded and the situation happened. Maybe we'll get into it this episode or not, but, um, it felt good to just get away from that whole situation and those girls. So like you, you were his main, you probably his main moneymaker. Yeah. You see, for me, I always tell people because I, you know, I'm a manager and supervisor and I've, you know, I've done a lot of things where I have to lead people. And I always say that my people, my people that work for me are the best tool that I got. And my job is to keep my people as happy as I reasonably can, because when they're not happy, they don't work. And when they don't work, I don't make money. And when they don't make money, you know, and they don't work, I got to go out there and do the work. And I don't think he was planning to go out there and, and, and do any dance, you know, do anything else like that. Um, what were, what were some of the, the fights or arguments? Like give us one story of a, of a disagreement that you had with one of the ladies. Um, it wasn't really a disagreement. It was just them being haters. It was just them more or less like trying to figure out how I made the money that I made. And it was all about how much you charged them. I remember one night, for instance, it was one girl. She came to me. She goes, oh, how many? How much money do you have? And I said about $300. And we did the same amount of VIPs. And VIPs meaning we had the same amount of customers going into the VIP room to have sex or whatever else. And... I'm like, you know, I have three. And she's like, yeah, I have 160. And I'm like, how the hell do you have 160? And you do the same amount of VIPs. So it was more or less how much they charge. That had nothing to do with me. 
And a lot of times, pimps would sit there and always, hey, how much did your bitch made? How much your bitch made? So it was it was that. And why get why ask if you're going to get upset about it? And at this time, you were still doing the, the, the underground? It wasn't, like, in a club yet? No, it was still underground. Okay. I, I used to see, you know, um, flyers for those things as well, too, and then I'm sitting here and thinking about it. You know, I remember, I remember seeing those things and not understanding. There was a guy called, uh, oh, man, Booze. I think his name was Booze, and he used to come on Public Access, and he used to promote that. You know, Public Access isn't something that kids used to should have been watching back in our day. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> I remember seeing Booze one time in the Bronx. It was like, an, uh, if my friend is listening, he'll definitely know. I remember seeing Booze on, like, Tremont Avenue in the Bronx and go, Yo, you're booze. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm booze. He was just like cool and humble about it. If it was like now, and me being like 17 years old, I would have took a picture with him. <laughs> um, so working a normal job, you usually tell everybody where you work. So not saying that you were embarrassed by being a dancer. If somebody asked what you did for work, what did you tell them? Oh, well, we would make jokes and do customer service. We'll say customer service. Okay. But you'd always have that person that wants to know more. So, like, where do you do customer service at? AT&T, Verizon, where? Oh, uh, no, no, no. We would tell them. We were not ashamed. We were not embarrassed. We would tell them. And most of the times we promote the parties to men. And that would be it. It would not be an issue. We would tell them. Did your family knew what you did for a living? Yeah. How could they not? <laughs> they were the reason why I kind of got pushed into that. So, them feeling embarrassed or ashamed, I really didn't give a fuck because you guys didn't feel embarrassed or ashamed when you were calling me names at 13 years old. So you, you said you, you did your first night, you got that money, and you never went back home. Where'd you live? Oh, with the guy. We were like maybe 20 minutes. We were living in Brownsville for like a couple months, and then after that, we moved into Canarsie. So was, you know, and again... This is just from the movies. I'm thinking that he's living in a penthouse and like there's like flamingos, or the flamingo uh, pools with water coming out of him. Like, what was it like living in his house? How many rooms did he have? How many girls live there? It was just me. Like I said, he was not a real pimp. It was just me and him. It was a one bedroom apartment. And after we moved, we got a two bedroom and that was it. It wasn't no, nothing lavish, none of that. So was he ever your boyfriend? No, he was my pimp. He acted like my boyfriend, but he was a pimp, supposedly. Okay. And so and, and, and the 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 stigma I'm getting about him is that, for lack of a better term, he was just whack. Yeah, he was. Totally whack. So what what made what what made him so bad? Because the next question <laughs> I got a follow-up question after that. What made him so bad? He was a pretender and he wasn't who he said he was, which was a pimp. <clears throat> he spent my money on buying pussy from other girls, which was a big no-no if you're a so-called pimp. He did not take care of me. He wasted my money. He didn't want me to get a driver's license. He didn't want me to advance at all. And he didn't, you know, he told me I used to always want to go out of town. That's the reason why I did get into life as well, to travel. And his answer was, oh, you're not ready. You don't look good enough to go out of town. And it was just like, okay, I look good enough to work here and make money, but I don't look good enough to go out of town. Okay, no problem. And a lot of times, pimps will sit there and tell you something based off of their insecurities and their fears if they take you out of town because now they're up against other pimps, real pimps that are out of town that may can take you. So that him telling me that I wasn't ready was his fear of him not being ready. 
and it had nothing to do with me. Okay, so how would he transform, I guess, into a pimp? You don't transform. You just go to have you have parties. It's nothing. It's not no. It's no transforming. You just you having the strip parties, and that's it. I stayed with him. I gave him my money, and that was that. So you gave him all the money. You didn't get any cut. You just said, "Here, here, dude. This is what I made for the night." Yeah. And then he paid you after that. Paid me what? So. So you, you went out there and you pretty much sold your soul and you gave him the money and he didn't break you off nothing like, here's a $200, here's a 300 No, pimp takes everything, not just, not half, not a little bit. They take 100% at all. Whenever you need something, you ask them for it and they give you the money to go get it done, whatever it is that you need. So it's pretty much like an allowance. Yeah, kind of. Wow, that's that's uh, very wow. Like that's like to me, that's very disheartening. You know, that's that's this is the part of you know being a dancer that's not glamorous. You know, you went out there, you did what you did, you know, and you put yourself on the line, and they took all the money. What's the most amount of money you ever made at one time? The most five thousand eight hundred. <clears throat> and how much time of work? Um, it wasn't work. It was from one person. Wow. Was it somebody famous? No, it was a regular guy. He was a functioning crackhead, to be honest, and he owned his own business. And uh, he wanted me for one night. He wanted me for one night. And um, he basically paid me $1,000 an hour. And... Uh, I stayed with him for a couple of hours. He was literally sitting in front of me smoking crack. I couldn't stand the smell. I took whatever he gave me, the 5800 and I left. So did he, obviously, with that kind of money, I'm like, you would have to give me that money first. Show me the money first. Give me half. Like, how did you guys come? What, how did that work? He had the money. I knew he had the money. So it was more or less me sitting there and me be like, okay, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. The money always comes first. Of course. Wow, this is very interesting. It's very, you know, wow, it's it's enlightening me. I mean, I I want to ask what was the weirdest thing you ever you ever encountered, but I mean, I think, you know, that probably was the weirdest thing, but what was the weirdest thing you ever encountered while dancing? Um everything's weird. So, um you have customers that have foot fetishes. Um you got customers that are paid just to play with your feet, give you massages. So, that's weird. How much? How much? How much would you charge somebody to rub your feet? They would give me about sixty to eighty dollars to a hundred dollars an hour. So it'd be more or less than just having fun. It'd be the same thing as doing a VIP. That's like a reverse foot massage. Like you know me walk into a place and you pay them, but they're paying you to massage your feet. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay, so feet is the weirdest thing. And like, was there people that would make you like step on them? Because I I know that in the and there's there's a guy out there that I know from one of the industries that I'm in. It's the one of the entertainment industries, and he has gone on record to say that he likes 
you know, feet, and he likes when ladies step on him. Was there a guy that wanted you to step on him? No. Because for me, that's weird, too. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying that's kind of, you know, that's not along my line that I like to play. Um, did you ever meet anybody famous? Yeah, I met a couple famous people, but I will not say their names, but <laughs> I'm not going to say them any names. One of them is one of your favorite Hot 97 DJs. He was a little weirdo, but uh, other than that, I met a, a good amount of famous people, especially met- in like Houston, Texas, Miami, definitely. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm not going to say any names, though. Man, my mind is intrigued right now <laughs> as to who it is, because I listen to Hot 97 all the time, but I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. Who is the cheapest celebrity? I mean, did you, well, since we're not going to talk about names, did you ever meet a celebrity that was downright cheap? Um, no. Honestly, no. Thank God, but no. <laughs> no. Because, you know, I remember one time I was working at a cell phone store and a celebrity, in, when I worked in Orlando, we had a lot of celebrities that come in. Shaq would come in, Tiger Woods would come in, Vince Carter would come in, his dad would come in, and, you know, some of them were my customers. And one, the one celebrity came in and he wanted his cell phone repaired. It was a little flip phone. This was maybe like right as the iPhone was coming out and the phone was broken and he wanted to go and get the know if we can fix the phone i'm like no nah, you don't have to fix the phone for the price of that you could spend a couple more dollars and buy a new phone no i'm going to go ahead and get it fixed you know some people rich people are rich because they're cheap right did you ever see anybody that you knew personally like maybe from yeah. school yeah a lot of people i did what? not care <laughs> i did not my brothers have walked in on me in a strip club my brother's best friends have walked in on me in the strip clubs why like i said I, I didn't care you are the cause you are the reason so i don't care what you think i don't care how you feel how dare you have feelings towards me being here when you guys are the reason so i just i really didn't care nobody can tell me anything back then <laughs> the first time your brother walked in brother brother is walking to the to the to the dance and you were there how'd you like your jaw didn't drop you weren't shocked how did you feel no i, I like i said i didn't care you think it was awkward for them? Have you guys ever talked about it? Um, probably was awkward for them, to be honest. Have we ever talked about it? No. And like, I, we only talked about it because I just didn't give a damn. I don't care how they felt. And I, to this day, I'm still going to keep that same energy because <laughs> you guys made my, my, child, my child years a living hell. So why should I care about your adult years? Why should I care about how I made you feel? You're embarrassed. Why are you embarrassed? Because your sister's a stripper or a prostitute. Okay, well, what did you do? I'm the baby of the family. I'm the last one. I'm the only girl. What did you do to help me when you heard our mom calling me names? When you joined in to call me names? What did you do? Nothing? Then you should not, you don't, you don't have the right to have any feelings towards me. At all. When I watched I mean, my brothers sit there and pay for their ex-girlfriend's clothes, their hair, their they could have did the same thing for the little sister. Right. And they didn't. So don't come to me with this, I, you made me feel this way because you were in that lifestyle. I don't give two shits. My story oh, is not for my family. My story is for other people out there, for other little young girls out there that are that are possibly going through the same thing. When you hear 
these women curse at their kids, which I hate. Because you, you can just imagine what those kids hear when they go home behind closed doors. So it's more or less, I it's not for my, like, I love my family now. We're okay. We're cool. But then oh, I could care less. Do you think any of them found this, uh, po- found Epic Speaks podcast somewhere on online and listened to it? Um, I don't think so. I'm not okay. too sure, but I don't think so. Okay. I'll tell you this. I, I got two sisters that I'm really close with. You know, I got like a bunch of sisters. And if I ever walked into an establishment like that and I, and I saw them, I'm just going to turn around and leave. There's just certain things I just don't need to see. Mm-hmm. Did they stay? Like, you no. know, let's not answer that. Okay. No, his friends. Um, the friends, they were like, what are you doing here? But the first thing they did was run and go tell. Which, okay, whatever. Um, my mom had texted me like, oh, you're on. this is back when like Craigslist was still the website and right. this is before the Craigslist killer. So she's like, oh, um, I seen your birthmark. I have a birthmark on a part of my body that unless I'm like not fully clothed, you can see it. So she's right. like, I know your birthmark. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I don't mm. care. You see my birthmark. You see that's me. Who cares? You guys have put so much energy into trying to make me feel like shit now. Where was the same energy when you guys should have been lifting me up? When you guys should have been telling me that I could have been anything I wanted to and go to school, get your education, do what you need to do. That energy wasn't there. So leave me the fuck alone. Well, I'll tell you this, Epic. I mean, this we there's still a lot more that we have to get into uh, on, on this on the subject here. Um, I definitely we I, I think the format that we have with this podcast is digestible. It's only about a half an hour. You know, I don't want people listening to podcasts like all day. Like I have podcasts that I listen to that are about two hours long and I have to listen to them in doses. So I, I definitely want to make this easy to listen to. But Epic, man, this was very eye opening and educational for me. And I hope it was educational to everybody else that's listening, especially the, you know, some little girls and maybe some, you know, some young men out there. You know, um, de- definitely anybody out there listening, if you think that they're, if you feel, no, if you know, that there's somebody that should be listening to this, send them the link right now. You know, have them meet, go to our Facebook, facebook.com slash Epic Speaks. They can listen to Genesis. There's links there. They can definitely listen to this episode as well, too. You know, like, this is very eye-opening. Because at first, you know, we started like, yeah, this is really glamorous. But at the end, like, I don't know about you, Epic. I'll tell you about me. I feel beat up. Like, wow. Like, like wow. Like, I can't believe the guy took your money and you had to ask for the money that you work for. And you said that he spent your money on other girls. That's not even right. Yeah. That's not right. That's not right. But Epic, we're going to have to continue this uh, next week. We will be back next week, people. Don't worry. We will be back next week. I promise if I'm if I'm, we're not back next week, I don't know. I'll do something for you guys. <laughs> but Epic, last words. Promote your social media. Let people know where to find you. Okay, so I'm on Instagram. It's Epic I-N-C-N-Y on Instagram. I have little, I have pictures. I'm telling my story in bits and pieces. So you can go there and like, and follow. It's Epic E P I C I N C N Y on Instagram and on Facebook. We're at Epic speaks podcast and, um, Epic Inc on Facebook as well. And you utilize Epic Inc as a means to do public speaking, to educate and reach out to other young ladies and, 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 and young, young people, right? Yep. I'm in the North Carolina area right now. So 
that is where my focus is because there's a lot of prostitution and sex trafficking going on down here. So that is definitely where my focus is. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. My name is Tristan Law. You can definitely find me on social media at the Real Big Trist. That's Instagram and Twitter. Obviously, we need you to like and follow us on facebook.com slash epic speaks. You know, I am Tristan Law and she's epic. Thanks for listening. And we'll definitely be back next time.